Attention audience, it's that time of the week again. You know what it is, we love it, we can't wait. It's right around the corner. It's today, yay, it is. It's Friday, Friday, Friday Films. That's right, Friday Films, we're back again. Bond still in review, going strong. We were counting up the numbers, 17 out of 25. This is the 17th film in the James Bond franchise. So we still got a handful more, a uh, handful more to go, um, but this one, new block, starting off with a bang. I mean, this, this was this was a really good one. Pierce Brosnan's my personal favorite Pierce Brosnan Bond film, Goldeneye. Yes, very very good one. And this was one I knew I had talked to you about beforehand, not really remembering much of. And it was yeah. the next one that I remember a lot of. Going back and rewatch this movie, I'm like, oh no, I know this movie. I know this game. I know this movie. I remember this. <laughs> it's coming back to me now. So, ladies and gentlemen, break out your N64 controllers, throw in your cartridge of GoldenEye, and let's play Facility Slappers Only Noah John. Slappers only. Wow, I haven't done that in a long time. I know. Slappers only. One rule. I'm Boris because I was convinced as a kid that Boris runs faster than anybody else. <laughs> it's possible. It's not true. Never. It's never not true. They run the same speed. <laughs> but I felt better. I felt faster as Boris. <laughs> Aerodynamics. Is that what it was? That's Back right. in those old games. Um, but no, I, I will say I put it in my notes that watching this movie the playing the game just came right back to me too like i kept hearing like the music and like watching the different scenes i'm like hey i remember playing in that hallway and running up and down those stairs and mm-hmm. so on mm-hmm. so but all right so i'm excited obviously let's get into this let's dig into it man golden eye released november 17th 1995 runtime of standard two hours and 10 minutes for a bond movie that's the that's the the bog standard is just over just a hair over two hours budget of a new high 60 million dollars oh wow yes okay well spent well spent very well spent very well spent uh directed by martin campbell who is known for mask of zorro and in the future he goes on to direct casino royale Okay, I, was, I knew that name sounded familiar. I was trying to figure out what yes. movies. Yeah, several other movies as well, but uh, Mask of Zorro and Casino Royale in 2006. So we'll hear his name again. Starring star-studded cast, Pierce Brosnan, Sean Bean, Isabella Skorup- or Skorupko, I always mispronounce her last name, Famica Jensen and Alan Cumming. So Famica Jensen and Alan Cumming, you would know well from the X-Men franchise, Jean mm-hmm. Grey and Nightcrawler, Sean Bean from frickin' everything. He dies in every single movie he ever does. Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings. I mean, he, he dies off in everything. This movie. Spoilers. <laughs> I've never thought of it like that. <laughs> Sean Bean. That's a running joke, man. That's a running joke. Every movie Sean Bean does, he dies. I don't think the man's ever had a reoccurring character. i've never known that yep um and that's it man let's dig into it all right we do start like every bond movie with the classic bond opening however i noticed some differences in this opening and i don't know if it was just me or if there was actual differences in this opening Uh, um there were differences um like the uh the, the the threading on the gun barrel 
Um, you know, we had the threading and everything on the gun barrel. Which okay, was... that was actually not one that I noticed. Yeah. To me, honest, I know that the music was slightly different because of the time frame, and then the, the music throughout this whole movie was slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, correct me in, if I'm wrong, but in the previous Bond movies, when did Bond stop kneeling in this one? Because I know... Rosman did not kneel or even attempt. No, to. I think this is the first one. Timothy okay. Dalton did kind of a kneeling thing too. So. That's what I thought. They all just kind of like slightly, just kind of like bent the knee some, but yeah, Rosman yeah. did not. No. Um, the other thing that I, I could be wrong is the circle enters from the left versus the right, doesn't it? Or do I have it backwards? You have it backwards. It enters from the right. Normally it enters from the right, and this one entered from the left. Did it enter from the left? Either way. I, at least that's what I, know, I put in my notes. I know Bond entered from the right. Bond always <clears throat> entered from the right, but yeah. I always thought that maybe I, maybe I just have it backwards for some reason. I just remember writing down in my notes like the, something was off about the direction of the circle. Maybe I just was yeah. noticing too many things at once and just started like the circle moved a lot more in this one. It moved around the screen, kind of tracking Bond's movements and then the fade outs and everything with it. Yeah, so it, it moved around a good bit without having them like next to each other compare. I'm going off a of memory. Yeah, exactly. We've, um, we've yeah. seen 17 different versions of it now. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, gun barrel intro with, with, with different music, nothing wrong with that. Still prefer just the traditional bond though. So mm-hmm. I, I know we'll go back to that. I'm pretty sure in the next movie, um, but we open to a plane flying over Hoover Dam, a.k.a. Archangel Chemical Weapons Facility in the USSR. Um, <clears throat> we cut to Bond, who's running across the top of the, ba- top of the dam, sets up a bungee, and jumps off the top of the dam in an epic, epic opening. When he bungees to the bottom, he uses his grapple gun to pull himself to the top of the facility and laser the laser on that gun to open up and get into it. Bond sneaking through the vents, and we cut. Th- we cut to a bathroom on the inside where poor, poor, lonely little Russian dude just has to take a shit. That's all he wants to do. Is he just wants to poop? So he's sitting down. He's making a poop, but the vent above him opens up, and Bond drops down. Russian man seems to hears something and pulls his paper down and there's Bond hanging upside down in front of him <laughs> says some witty quip and punches him in the face knocking him out he I says I should have knocked and then I should have knocked the first yes, yes and then punches him in the face yeah god love it that is the that sets the tone for Pierce Brosnan's Bond yes which is the the Bond that I remember and I've been excited to get back to this um, yes I've enjoyed yes. the ride so far but I was excited to re like watch all these movies Oh, yeah. Because this is the Bond that I remember. Indeed. Uh, Bond continues to sneak his way throughout the facility and comes across 006. His partner in crime, Alec Trevlin himself. Now, I will say, everything up until this point, um, like, obviously, I I mentioned the music reminds me of the game and all, but I like the lighting they use, uh, portraying, like, the different shadows and stuff on Bond, Mm -hmm. like, throughout these hallways, up until you see... Um, him meet 006 like even like the way the shadows covered like behind him and all like it, it really portrayed his stealthiness of his spy character yeah um, but even with when you first introduce uh, Alec who comes in you know gun pulled on Bond at first he's still in the shadows so you don't really realize who he is for a split second yeah until they do the little code word and he like pops out of the shadows and you're like oh, okay cool we're all good yeah uh, but really good use of lighting through all these scenes Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and as they go over what they're preparing to to do, 
the classic tagline. This will this will go throughout the rest. This is essentially the tagline of Golden Goldeneye is for England, James. Yes, is what is said before they move on by by Trevlin. Um, they work their way through the facility, and the alarms go off as they enter the area with the, all the different chemicals and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they rush to set the explosives on the chemicals for six minutes. Specifically specified six minutes is what it needs to be done. Throughout going, you know, while Bond's running around setting up the bombs and whatnot, him and Trevlin are having little quips back and forth. And then all of a sudden silence comes across as it's revealed that 006 has been caught by the the Russians and the general. That's right, because they broke into the room while uh, they were still trying to set up the bombs. Indeed, indeed. Bond, Bond immediately changes the timers to three minutes, thinking he's doing doing good, you know. Changes the timers timers to three minutes to try and create a bigger, you know, give him less time to get away, but also gives the bad guys less time to escape. Yes. So after the three-minute timer is set, the general is just not having this and just shoots 006 right in front of Bond. Mm-hmm. Bond's like, oh, this is not good. This is not good times. So he uses a little cart full of full of chemicals to hide behind while he's cr- slowly <laughs> creeping across the room. And the general's not letting anybody shoot because he doesn't want them to blow up. This you know? scene was awesome. Like, And just it was timed perfectly. It was just enough creeping. to keep you dragged along without being, all right, this is taking too long. <laughs> Especially it when long it was enough. like that one guy was shaking and like accidentally shot a couple bullets and everyone just stops like, oh, oh we almost died. And the general, and the general just, just turns just and shoots guy. him. <laughs> yeah. And Bond Dumb just kind of like peeks his head around and goes, all right, we're still on the same page. Okay, I'm going to okay, keep cool. moving. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we know what's going on here. Uh, Bond gets across the room and hops on a conveyor belt and sh- Cops on a conveyor belt, causing him to, you know, pulling him out of the room while he's leaving. He shoots some locks and releases barrels onto the onto the Russians, crushing many of them in horrible, horrible ways. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Bond escapes and he's running after a plane that's taking off on the runway. <clears throat> Just running, running, running. Takes out, you know, jumps onto the plane before it takes off. Takes out the pilot, but he himself is just falls <laughs> off the plane also. Um, Giving this, giving him enough time, however, for for biking biker Russians to come up on him. Well, Bond takes out one of those biker Russians and steals his bike, chasing down the plane off into the distance. While the Russian soldiers look on, like, dude, he ain't gonna make it. No, so, yeah, no point in chasing. He's not gonna make it. But what does Bond do? The plane dives off the edge of the cliff, and Bond jumps off on his, you know, with his motorcycle after it, and dives down, hopping into the. You know, pilot seat in the plane and retaking controls just before it crashes into the rocks below. Bond pulls up and flies back over the facility as it explodes, and he flies off into the distance. And the other thing about that, not only was it a cool scene, but it was a good transition into our opening credits. Yes, <clears throat> the Intro way that explosion song. goes off, and it just kind of you know transitions into the inside of a gun barrel where the fire mm-hmm. is coming out of. I was like, that's really cool. I like that. Um, Dude, great, great intro. Uh, yeah. The the song, sung by Tina Turner, worked mm-hmm. perfectly, you know? Yep, good song, too, yeah. Um, um, granted, we've got more CGI, you know, stuff now. We're in the 90s, but this is easily the most elaborate yeah. intro scene we've seen yet, you know? 
And, and um, the, the thing was, is like we know as time goes on, the technology evolves and all that, it's just going to keep getting better. But even then, they still hold true to like uh, the silhouettes and like some of the shadows tropes, and colors. Yeah, the and all silhouettes, that. the colors. Um, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I did notice that the silhouettes were not just silhouettes in some scenes, but colored silhouettes in other scenes. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they're stepping it up a little bit. Uh, but even like the colors, um, you, the use of like purple and obviously gold and all that, um, were were kind of well put out in the intro. So they are I mean, still sticking to some of the basics, which I enjoy being like after 17 different movies and mm-hmm. uh, how many years of transitioning uh, through multiple uh, stages of technology. They, they kind of still yeah. hold to the roots in some of it. The uh, the USSR imagery in it, too, the Russian imagery using mm-hmm. the, the hammer and sickles and stuff all over the place. Yeah, I really enjoyed. Um, they even kept some of the old tropes with the silhouettes of like the gun coming out of the woman's mouth firing yeah. and then and then coming back in um i so i really liked it i thought it was a very well done intro sequence and this is the first one that um doesn't have uh what was his name martin uh, i'm sure i'll get to it in trivia time but the 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 guy that that did every other intro sequence before died oh yeah you know, that's right you said because he um he did all of them up until now or the last <clears throat> one was the last yeah, one he did yeah um, so it's kind of neat sticking to that style that he had developed over the years, but kind of making it mm-hmm. transition into its own else. into its new gener- yeah. the, a new generation of them. So, um, but after the intro sequence, we cut to nine years later. Bond is driving the classic Aston Martin down the winding roads and racing another girl in a Ferrari. All the while, there's a lady friend in Bond's car, which is his evaluator, evaluating him. As a, as a spy, I'm assuming. After racing through the hills, there's a couple scenes that go back and forth where the, you know, the Ferrari spins out and recovers last minute, and they're just, they're just constantly trying to outdo each other going down this hill, mm-hmm. all while the lady friend in the car is just completely freaked out, wanting, wanting Bond to stop the car. So at a certain point, Bond gives in, pulls the car to a dead stop, and then just straight up seduces the evaluator. Yeah. <laughs> One of the cool pops gadgets open his we center see, console, yeah. and there's the <clears throat> the champagne bottle with the two glasses that pops out, and they you know they kiss and embrace while looking over to you know I think it was fireworks over the city or something like that. So ah, uh, it was it was just kind of like a nice scene, nice out city in the distance, view. yeah. From here, Bond arrives at a hotel and sees the Ferrari that he was racing in the parking lot. Bond goes into the casino and and proceeds to play baccarat. With Bacharach, Bacharach, Burk, Burk, sure, it's Bacharach. not one of the ones that I really kept. Bacharach, up with I think it's Bacharach, um, Bacharach with the woman from the Ferrari. They order drinks, martini, shaken, not stirred, of course. Mm-hmm. And Bond learns her name is Zina Onatop. One of my favorite sexual innuendo Bond names <laughs> ever, and so for this character, as we'll get to it, so incredibly appropriately named for the way she kills people. (laughs) (laughs) Incredibly appropriately named. Um, They have a brief back and forth and Bond watches as Xena leaves with the captain of the Manticore, a vessel that's currently parked out in the ocean Mm -hmm. and spots the military tiger helicopter aboard a military, uh, aboard a military ship also in the Harbor in his car. He communicates briefly or he has a message waiting for him with from money penny who ids xena on a top and the captain and you know 
basically everything that we know up to this point. Oh, that's right, because he, um, he kind of, like, followed them out and took pictures with, uh, like, I don't know, it was like a, some type of spy just telescope camera, type spy thing. Camera thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's like money a, penny a IDs them. And from here, we cut to Xena and the captain having the most hardcore, super scratchy, sexy time we've seen in a Bond movie so far. It's yeah. like, God damn, you know, things are going down. But as, as, as anybody who's into hardcore, sexy time must know, safe words are important. Captain neglected to establish a safe <laughs> word beforehand. So it ends with Xena choking him out with her legs and he dies. Meanwhile, we see somebody's hand come into frame and steal his ID card from his jacket pocket. In the morning, we see Xena leaving by boat headed towards, leaving by boat with, with the quote-unquote captain. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are headed towards the, the battleship with the Tiger helicopter on board. Bond, meanwhile, sneaks aboard the Manticore, uh, Manticore to investigate, gets in a fight with a random member of the crew, taking him out very quickly using a towel. And we cut back to this imposter captain using the ID to get on the boat with Xena um, as a demonstration of the helicopter prepares to start. During which Bond back on the Manticore finds the body of the captain immediately, immediately responds with, all right, so the dude we saw leave is not the real captain. Mm-hmm. Steals a boat and rushes to the demonstration of the Tiger, tiger helicopter. Back aboard this vessel, Xena distracts the two pilots that are going to be conducting the demonstration and kills them and takes her and her compatriot take their place. Yep. And you don't see because they got the helmet and all kind of covering their faces. Bond rushes to the deck, but is stopped by security as the helicopter takes off and flies into the distance. Very, Mm -hmm. uh, very quick and relatively carefree theft. Nobody was none the wiser until the helicopter was already gone. Yeah, I mean, it was well planned out, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, it was kind of neat. I mean, we, we flew through these scenes so quickly. I mean, even the setup, everything was like super quick. It just um, goes, 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 man. But I mean, it, it's, it's still good. And I love, even up to this point, um, with everything going on, Bond still has his little quips. Like every other thing Bond says is always some type of funny quip mm-hmm. uh, with with Pierce Brosnan's Bond, which I love because um, I know he he made a couple of scenes like at, at the casino when he first meets um, on the top. He makes a couple of quips back and forth when they're talking about her Ferrari and this and that. Dude, and he's I, always I was, making quips. Man. I know, it's, I loved it's it. It's hard was, to keep up with him. It was hysterical. I can't. Yeah, I can't write him down like I could in the first two or three <laughs> movies. Um, but from here, we cut to the Space Weapons Control Center in Cervania, Russia. Inside, Boris, a, a very talented hacker, flirts with Natalia, who seems to be you know, a, a lower-level hacker, as he demonstrates his ability to hack into the American Department of Justice and get out without leaving a trace, <clears throat> using a technique known as spiking, apparently. Mm-hmm. Boris stands up and goes, I am invincible, which will come back in the future. And that's kind of his <laughs> tagline as a hacker. Yeah, um, yeah I love that Boris, he does it multiple times. And Boris goes out for a cigarette. Um, and Natalia goes to the kitchen as we see the Tiger helicopter arrive with Xena and General Oromov. They arrive to the facility to quote unquote 
test fire the GoldenEye satellite. They go through all of the procedures, all the activation codes and everything. Whenever the commander of the, uh, the weapons control center gets the keys to the GoldenEye, Xenia, Xenia promptly murders everyone in the facility yeah. and orgasms while doing it. To the point that even the general looks over and goes, yo, you need a room or something, man? Like, yeah, like, are you okay? Chill. It's all good. It's all good, but chill. Um, during this time, Natalia hides in the kitchen as they activate, activate GoldenEye and set the target for the facility, the Weapons Space Control Center in Servania. Mm-hmm. The alarm is triggered by one poor bastard who managed to survive the initial shooting. But that didn't last long, because as soon as that alarm triggered, Zena makes sure that poor man's dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> during this time, during this time, they hear something in the kitchen, and Xenia goes to investigate. And it seems like Natalia has escaped through the vents. So Xenia blows, you know, just shoots, firing all through the vents, all through the vents. Mm-hmm. Going, listen, I'm going to take him out one way or the other. And then we see the general and Xenia leave the facility via the helicopter. Cut back to jolly old England, where we find Bond flirting with a new money penny. Some yes. great, great little flirts going on here, man. And um, I, I like how this money penny is still. Uh, they'd still do the, the flirting, but she's a little bit more aggressive as defense against oh, Bond this time around, which I love. It's um, more of like the, listen, like, we can flirt all day long, but you're going to have to live up on these promises someday, big boy. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, like, but I'm, like... I'm cool with the work flirt, but Money Penny's going to need some eventually, sir. Uh, but no, I, I liked the the more of the damage. It wasn't just kind of like, like light flirty. It was more like, Oh really? Like the sarcastic flirty back and forth. Um, which kind of like bond starts to realize like, Oh shit, she's, you know, putting me in my place type deal. <laughs> so, uh, I like the new money penny we have in this, uh, this block of movies. You do. Um, bond is taken to the situation room where he meets with the new M Judy Dench, Dame Judy Dench herself. I love this mm-hmm. woman so much. I like her introduction too. Because she wasn't in the room when Bond first gets in there. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, they, they're saying something about her, and then she comes in and essentially overhears it and makes some little quip. Um, yeah, because uh, what was the other guy's name? Uh, Tanner. Yeah. Um, he was starting to talk to Bond about the missing Tiger helicopter and about Bond had a card that he wanted to play on that and tanner was like oh yeah your card was was right but too bad the evil queen won't let you play it yes. and bond's like um and tanner's like oh no and then she's like right behind him's like oh no please continue on <laughs> yeah. uh so i, I, I liked so her introduction but bond is briefed about the events in serrania which are live Mm-hmm. They have live satellite footage of what's going on, and Russian MiGs are en route to the facility to investigate or destroy based on whatever needs to be done. Um, <clears throat> back in Servania, we cut to the kitchen where Natalia was actually hiding in a cupboard. She was never in the vents. Pretty smart. This woman knows how to survive. Mm-hmm. The MiGs do a flyby, not seeing anything out of place as GoldenEye activates destroying the facility and disabling the the MiGs with EMP and knocking out MI6's satellite feed. Mm-hmm. 
During this time, Natalia is having the worst day of work ever, climbing through the bodies of her co-workers, climbing through rubble, explosions happening around her. She manages to climb up the satellite dish that, that fell through the facility and escape. Back at the Situation Room, they again regain satellite feed and see the damage and identify the EMP pulse as the rumored GoldenEye satellite. This is when Bond spots <clears throat> spots Natalia on the feed as the lone survivor escaping into the tundra. We cut back to her briefly where she finds a dog sled and that's assumably her, presumably her, her route of escape. Back in England, the M reveals that, of course, the Russians claim it's a training exercise gone bad. Um, everyone knows that bu that's bullshit. M and Bond seem to think that the Yanis Syndicate is behind it, um, a, you know, a terrorist organization that's been operating in the area. And they ID General Oromov as the general over the you know, space and research facility that would have been over that. But mm -hmm. M doesn't seem to believe it's him behind the inside job as his his record and stuff would not suggest him something that he would do so m doesn't believe that bonds onto the right guy yep um so we find out in this scene there's an awesome back and forth between judy dench and pierce brosnan where we see that just m and bond just just don't get along and judy dench is a badass yes she's like listen if you think i'm just a pencil pusher that has no problem sending a man to die you are wrong sir <laughs> i yep. frankly don't care if you come back or not <laughs> well, and what i liked about this is their little back and forth in that conversation kind of set the tone for the shift in the characters from the previous bonds to now i mean you still yeah. have bond as bond you still have m as m and so on but because they're new characters that have taken on reoccurring roles essentially um, or I'm sorry, not new characters, new actors taking on reoccurring character roles. Uh, it's kind of setting the tone for like, hey, we're new here, but we are here for a reason type deal. Yeah, you know, and are, that's where the are, back and we forth. We are building the characters for mm -hmm. in our own way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I like that that little um, you know brief back and forth between them because of that. Because I think she made you know the comment, like you said, about her being an analyst um, because Bond made some comment about our information coming from some analysts. Is this the same you know, incorrect information that came from the same analyst from before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's like, well, you know, if you're calling me an analyst, you know, I would rather make sure I have all the facts right before just sending my men into the field blindly, uh, even though you, you like to do all that. And, and I don't know, but the back and forth thing kind of played on the previous Bond and M throughout all the other movies, which yeah. I really liked. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So from here, we cut to St. Petersburg, Russia, where General Oromov arrives, and arrives in a meeting room and attempts to resign, uh, but not before first blaming the incident on Siberian separatists. Mm -hmm. But he's surprised when he's informed by the committee that two technicians survived, Boris and Natalia. Not just one. General Oromov was only aware of Boris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The general is immediately, his, his, his resignation is, is rejected, and he is immediately excused from the room, basically saying, listen, if you're going to resign or you're going to blame shit on Russian or Siberian separatists, you need to have your facts right, right first. Yep. Obviously, you did. Cut to Q Labs, and what time is it, Jordan? It is now Q time with good old Q. 
Good old Q himself. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Q time for the very special GoldenEye episode. We have several items for you on, on the docket today. I'll run, run through them briefly real quick. We have the rocket cast. We have the BMW Stinger missile headlights. We have the repelling belt, the X-ray T-tray, and the grenade pin. All of these items are very, very important. The rocket cast, number one, being very similar to an item that which of which Q Labs developed several, several movies ago. The um, surprise punching cast, or whatever I named it before. I forget. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forget what that one was. But yeah, that was actually really good. Very similar to that. So, much like that one, if you have a if you have an annoying co-worker, somebody that's just pissing you off, and you want nothing more than to take them out, well... Anybody in cast, as you know, that's you have immediate sympathy, immediate tension. Everyone's drawn to you or making sure you're okay, even that asshole at work. But when he gets too close, what do you do? You click the button on your wheelchair and that cast breaks open and fires a rocket right into him, causing him to go kablooey in many pieces, as we see other people do <laughs> later on in this movie. <laughs> I would not want to be trying to walk in that gas when it accidentally no, goes off. <laughs> no, no. Bad things would happen. Bad things would happen. Rocket boosters, um, engage. Over to our next item. We have the BMW Stinger Missile Headlights. This is a staple for all Bond cars. Um, we have switched over temporarily to the wonderful German engineering of BMW away from the English Aston Martin temporarily in these Bond movies. But that does not mean we're skimping on the gadgets, ladies and gentlemen. No. Much like all previous Bond vehicles, the BMW is equipped with the Stinger missile headlights. Headlights fold down, Stinger missiles pop out, and take out anything on the highway in front of you. Rush hour traffic, thing of the past. Clear the routes with your BMW Stinger missile headlights. And next on the list, ladies and gentlemen, we have the Repelling Belt. The name in itself. It's a nice, beautiful, leather men's dress belt, but it's got a built-in grappling hook and repelling system. Would Willing to carry up to, I believe Q said, 250 pounds or something like that? That sounds roughly about right. I don't, I don't remember take. the exact numbers. And then we also have the X-Ray T-Tray. If you... Are starting to get strange mail at your house. You know it's illegal. You know it's illegal to to open someone else's mail, right? But you I've know every that. time every time you get like one of your neighbor's mails in your mailbox accidentally, you're you're a little curious. The Just little, a little. little the little bad boy in your head's like, you know, I'm kind of mm -hmm. curious. I'm kind of the, the internal spy is just like I really want to know. It's well, true. if you have the X-ray tea tray, all you have to do is set that later on, letter on the tea tray, and it completely X-rays it and reveals any information the letter contains without ever opening it. No one would be any the wiser. You could find out your your friends and neighbors' credit reports, their bills, their whatever they get in their mail, where they get their magazine subscriptions from, all this, that, and the other thing. All the information you need to blackmail your neighbors and friends with the X-ray tea tray. Now, it is recommended that if you're walking up and down your neighbor's um, front yards to their mailboxes with this tray, uh, you should probably get the matching outfit. It might help a little bit with your disguise, but not much. That's right. <laughs> um, Next item on the list, ladies and gentlemen, we have the grenade pin. That's why, that's right, the grenade pin. Much like, do you remember growing up, those shocky pins where you click the top of it and you get yes. shocked? Mm -hmm. It's essentially that on steroids. Three clicks activates the grenade, three clicks deactivates the grenade. 
and I believe it has like a five second timer after the three uh, clicks occur. It was like five or six, I think. <clears throat> Something like that. As demonstrated by, I believe, Henry was the name of the mannequin of which Q yes. put this pin on and blew him to smithereens. And I, I love the little quirk back and forth between the two of them about the, the pen being mightier than the sword. That's right. And then Bond, I think, makes something. The writing's uh, on the, the wall. Yeah, the writing's on the wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Q, Q chuckles at that. Um, all of this, ladies and gentlemen, is available from the new the Q Labs in the new generation of Bond, starting with GoldenEye. So all of these items are available for purchase today, but we have a very, very, very special item to add on to this, which comes free with any purchase of the previous, previously discussed, aforementioned gadgets. It is probably the best Q gadget we've ever had on this show. It is, in fact... The footlong sub. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you may ask yourself, what does the footlong sub do? Well, the reason why it's the best gadget on this list is it's simply just lunch. It's Q's just lunch. lunch. It's, just, it's just lunch. So. <laughs> I, I was laughing so hard at that scene because I forgot all about it. I was like, oh, what does this do, Q? Is it like rockets or something pop out of this? He's like, hey, don't touch that. That's my lunch. That's my lunch. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining us for the new edition of q time featuring goldeneye the pierce brosnan debut film i really want one of those pens i think out of all of it you know that would be the the coolest thing i feel weird walking around with a grenade in my pocket especially if i clicked it the wrong one but i'm with you but i'm I'm not gonna lie i'm kind of feeling a footlong sub after recording i might be going to get me a sub (laughs) yeah that sounds good too uh but with all of that and the awesome stinger missiles in the headlights of the car which sadly we won't see don't see a lot of car gadgets in this movie. Any no. car gadgets, actually. But, and to be honest, though, at the same time, you don't really see much use for Bond needing a car, especially since, mm-hmm. you know, he travels, uh, heads over to Russia for a good period of time. Yes. Um, which I thought was pretty neat, because that's, essentially that's where he heads next. To meet that's right. a new CIA agent. Yes. Yeah, he, he meets CIA agent Jack Wade. Played by the same actor who played Whitaker in The Living Daylights. Who That's played right. a bad guy in The Living Daylights. And I remember I told you he'd be back. Yep. I'll tell you um, did. Jack Wade <clears throat> seems to have replaced um, replaced good old Felix Leiter in these movies. Yep, for the time. As the anyway. CIA contact. And I'm not going to lie, I love it. I love the actor. I love the way he plays the character, that American, yep. you know kind of yeah, not give a I, shit he never calls you know bond james it's always jimbo or jimmy or yeah you know. yeah yeah i, I like the the back and forth between them too as well they seem to have a very very good chemistry on on screen um so bond arrives and meets jack wade and we see natalia arrive by train um we cut back to jack and bond repairing the car while they talk about the russian contact Sarkovsky. During which we cut we cut back and forth a lot between Natalia and Bond during this one. So Natalia we cut back to briefly as she goes into an IBM store to test a computer for a major major order, which she's obviously faking just to get access to a computer, mm-hmm. and reaches out to Boris, who is still alive, and sets up a meeting. Yep. Bond arrives to meet Zerkovsky as Natalia arrives at a church 
to meet Boris. And what I like, though, is about, like, right before he gets to the meeting, I mean, we already know that they have had history. Bond yes. and Valentine. Bond and Valentine <clears throat> Sikorsky have yeah, had a once rough, he says, rough history. Uh, Jack says Sikorsky, Bond's like, Valentine? He's like, oh, you've heard of him? He's like, yeah, because he says something about he's like, the guy with a limp. He's like, wait, he's like, Valentine? He's like, yeah, you know him? He's like, yeah, I was the one that gave him the limp. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I was uh, interested in getting into these scenes again because it took me a minute or two to remember all of uh, those yeah. scenes and him as, uh, or Valentine, mm-hmm. who we're about ready to meet. But uh, when we when we get into I that scene, that. I, really, I really like it. I mm-hmm. really like that scene. Um. So Natalia meets with meets meets with Boris at the church, but we see Zena is there as well, and we cut away from it relatively quickly, presumably that Natalia was captured. Mm-hmm. And it's we it's obvious at this point that we see Boris is working with Zena and and the, and General Oromov. Yeah, which was kind of implied in the beginning, but never really um, fully revealed. Yeah, yeah until now. Um, we cut back to Bond and Sarkovsky meeting. And I love this meeting so much with yes. the girl singing in the background and Bond's like, you know, who strangles, who's strangling the cat <laughs> yeah. and looks back and he's like, that is my mistress and like pulls the gun on him and everything. It's just, it's a whole lot of back and forth of Sokovsky, you know, shooting, you know, shooting at Bond, but never, never hitting him, you know, threatening to mm-hmm. shoot him, uh, shoot him in the knee. He's, he's, he's like, my knee hurts all the time. When it's cold, when it's raining, when it's snowing, do you know how long winters are in this country? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that that was a really good scene, and I like how when like Bond makes that comment about um, the the lady singing, uh, Valentine's just like you know, tells her to take a hike after a minute. He's like, no, 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 she's not bad. And then he starts listening, and he's like, uh, All right, take a just, 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 just give us a minute. <laughs> Uh, but uh-huh. I liked I liked the tension between the two of them, where it was kind of like we've come we've crossed paths. I'm I'm like not happy with you, but at the same time I'm willing to hear you out because it might benefit us. And it becomes like a, a neutral thing between them, which I, yeah, I really like the tension between them. It's a level it of respect where there's yeah. there's tension, but they each respect each other. So it's it's like listen, we can communicate. We know. We have a history. We know we don't like each other, but we respect each other. So we can we can communicate and work something out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, as they meet, they set up a deal in order to get a meeting with Giannis, you know, where, where it'll end up in a lot of money for um, for Sarkovsky and Bond will get get his opportunity to meet with Giannis. Cut back to Bond having a swim at the bitchin hotel pool. That I cool. would love to. It was like it was like this movie and the prefect's bathroom in Harry Potter. Like that's, yeah, that those was, kind of cool one. those kind of pools. I would I would really really love to to experience once, but only if you're the only person in it. You know, you've got to be the only person in that pool for it to be good. If you're sharing it with like six other dudes, it's just not yeah, fun. Yeah, no. You know, um, but anyway, Bond hears something from the steam room and goes to investigate. Finding instantly finding Xena and pulling a gun on her. She proceeds to attempt to seduce him, and they have an epic, sexy fight as she squeezes him with his legs. And I love the like the face on on, on Pierce Brosnan. He's like, "Oh God, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. losing my breath." And he's essentially slamming her around the room, slamming her into the walls while she is just screaming in pleasure during this scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh. Um, but he manages to get his, get his gun back and pull it on her. He's, he goes, he's like, no, 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 
play nice. <laughs> yeah, and I liked how um, the whole time, like, you could tell with Pierce Brosnan, he was kind of like, okay, I don't want it. Yeah, and he yeah. like there's multiple times where he's kind of like he pushes her away and like casually goes over for the gun the first time, and then like she's like starts tackling him, and then he like pushes her off, goes to get her back to get his gun a second time, and like finally he's like had enough, and like I think he pushed her off, and then there was another guy that came in that he just like grabbed something and just like bashed it across that guy's head, and when he finally pulled the gun on, he's like that's it, yeah. we're done. <laughs> yeah. But I liked um, his his character, like it was kind of like mm-hmm. he's playing along, but he doesn't want it. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no. Um, but he pulls the gun on her and orders her to take him to Giannis. Um, they arrive at Russian ruins, and Bond knocks her out. Bond looks around and investigates and sees the Tiger helicopter is there. Bond continues to investigate where he's met by a ghost from his past. Alec Trevlin reveals himself, 006, mm-hmm. with scars on his face. From the explosion, saying, you know, Bond gave those to him and to him by not keeping, not setting the timers for six minutes, setting them You're for changing three the timer instead. to three. Bond gave him those scars. He is Giannis and blames MI6 for the death of his parents, um, the Kosoviks, I believe, which is based on a real, yes. um, a real thing that that you know Russians were basically um, returned to russia and they were promptly murdered so he blames england by for, uh the england yeah um yeah. which i think was some well, of they the weren't murdered that... they weren't murdered by by england they were the refugees to england of which england returned to russia and then stalin killed them as traitors okay i was trying to remember the way that i thought valentine explained it to bond when he was telling the story of them um yeah, he explains something. I, I don't remember, but but anyway, he he blames MI6 and England for the death of his 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 family. Yeah, and that's how he's enacting revenge. Um, Bond mentions about how you know was this not tracked when he was recruited, and you know it's because he his parents were dead. It was adopted, but he the MI6 thought he was too young to remember anything, but he remembered everything. So yep. he basically just kind of operated on the inside for so many years. Yep. And so it wasn't missed. It was like done on purpose. You know? Yes, indeed. Um, <clears throat> Bond is knocked out with a dart gun. And we have yet again the tagline for England, James. You know, like you're going to die for England. You know, this is what you do. Um, and I love during this conversation, too, they have a, I have a moment where, you know, Bond pulls the gun on Trevlin. And and Trevlin's like it's insulting. It's insulting for you to think I haven't anticipated your every move. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's insulting for you to think that I don't know you. That we haven't worked together for so many years. I know exactly how you operate. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut to Bond coming to in the pilot seat of the Tiger helicopter with Natalia behind him in the in the co-pilot seat, screaming her lungs out. <laughs> yeah. Um, not gonna lie, great acting because you really do feel the the sense of terror from her. Like we're gonna mm-hmm. fucking die. Um, yeah, and it was a nice like transition because it was kind of like fade out and then all of a sudden scream and you're like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, you so, hear like, the screaming good... before it fades back in from the black screen. You yeah, know? so it, I mean, it like was like the fade back in was Bond opening his eyes. You know? Yeah, I, so I, I, I mean, it was, was uh, edited really well in that scene too. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, Natalia's screaming and we look and we see there are 10 seconds left after the 10 seconds countdown while Bond's trying to find his way out. Missiles launch. Mm-hmm. After a few minutes, those missiles, missiles turn back, are heading back towards the helicopter. They have targeted the helicopter itself. 
At the last second, Bond manages to, you know, knock his head against the ejector seat button, saving himself and Natalia as the, you know, the cockpit flies into the air and the missile explodes the helicopter below them. I was going to say, it shows how much skill he, or experience, I should say, he has when he, like, wakes up, can't move, looks at the timer and starts headbutting the controls to get the helicopter to turn on yeah, and yeah. all. He's like, Wait, <laughs> I need to do something here. <laughs> Uh, so I was um, like, yeah, he's just like headbutting anything he can until he, he hit saves, that eject button. <laughs> um, he saves himself and Natalia as military jeeps arrive and take Bond and Natalia into custody. Um, they are taken to a room to be interrogated, and while they're waiting, Bond questions Natalia, and she reveals Boris as the traitor. You know, she she's like, listen, Boris is the in, he was the insider. He was the one that helped them get into the facility, blah, 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 blah. The interrogator comes into the room and he and Bond have a literal literal interrogation dick measuring contest. <laughs> where he you know, interrogator asks Bond question, Bond just responds with a different question, you know, back and forth. Natalia interrupts referencing boys with toys and pins General Oromov as the one who stole the GoldenEye device. Oromov comes into the room, and I love, every time we see Oromov, he's more and more disheveled, where, like, yes. like, like his treachery and stuff's, like, weighing on him, you know? Mm-hmm. The first time we see him stealing GoldenEye, he's all proper and presentable. When he goes in and he's, he's, he's in the meeting room and it's revealed that there was another survivor, he's, like, disheveled, but he's not. And then in this room, yeah, he's completely up. unhinged. Yeah, he's completely yep. unhinged in this one. And then even in um, the, the following scenes, you can kind of see it, it, it starts weighing on him more and more, like, yes. after after this. Yes. Um, um, but Ormov comes in the room and immediately, you know, starts I like this one. The interrogator's like, listen, listen, apparently you're the one that has some explaining to do, not these people. Yeah, yeah. and I like how... Say uh, the way that Bond looked at him, like when he first walks in the room, Bond kind of like looks up at him and goes, "Yeah, you know, like almost like a quick like I recognize him from all the briefing, everything going on. Like I know who he is from nine years you know, ago. We and, and from nine years yeah. ago because he was the general from exactly. The yeah. yeah, I was like, so it, I like the look on Bond's face when he walked into this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ormov is just fed up with it, pulls out a gun and kills the interrogator and the guards with Bond's gun throws Bond's gun back to him so he has the fingerprints on it. And then in, I love how he's thinking of, like, a way to explain this in his head mm-hmm. out loud. <clears throat> he was I'm like, you know, how am I going to explain uh... the killing of this the killing of this interrogator and the guard? He was like, but, but you know, Bond came, you know, Bond was 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 overwhelmed the guard and, and, and killed the interrogator. And he was killed while escaping and then pulls his gun on, on Bond and oh, yells yeah. for the guards. So, so he was like piecing together how to make this look like not his fault um, but anyway Bond knocks him out knocks out Oromov and they begin to escape killing so many people like guards mm-hmm. just run up their stairs and just it's like a funnel of bodies that, that's running into Bond's machine gun it's just it's crazy how many people they kill Cue the music where the epic Bond battle music begins and we have ourselves a library fight, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Love this fight scene going back and forth with Bond hiding and, and sneaking around. However, as they're trying to get out, the floor falls out from under Natalia and she is captured. Mm-hmm. Bond uses his belt to swing out of a window 
and steals a tank as Ormov and Natalia leave in a car. We we and, cut to it, and I love this scene here real quick because we cut to Ormov and Natalia's car, like coming across a corner, like coming towards the camera, and it's yes. just coming, it's coming and coming, and then all of a sudden the tank busts through the wall behind them. Yes, yeah. <laughs> which which is the cool thing because they don't actually show Bond stealing the tank until now. It's like Bond is walking around the um the yard or whatever you want to call it, the, the parking lot or whatever. There's a whole bunch of tanks and some other stuff. And Bond's like, the army guys are coming out and Bond's like hiding in front of this tank and he's looking around and he looks back at, you know, at the tank and the wall behind him. And then you cut to that scene where like the general's car is coming around the corner and they take a turn and they're coming down the road. And then you just see the tank come flying through the wall and Bond's just sitting there like a little dog sticking out the window, just kind of like <laughs> sticking out a little hole in the tank. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, Bond stole the tank then. Yeah, <laughs> like I, they don't, they don't need it, to show him works. getting into the tank. He just looks behind and then comes through the wall with it. Though That transition was incredibly well done. Yes, um, yes, it was it was great. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have our first tank chase in the Bond franchise. We've had car chases, we've That's had right. ski chases, we've had helicopter chases, we've had boat chases. chases, we've had all sorts of yes, skydiving chases, <laughs> skydiving chases. We've pulled a plane out of the sky using a helicopter, but we've never yeah, yeah, that one too. had a had a tank tank chase, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So Bond in this tank chase essentially destroys the town, <laughs> crashing through <laughs> yeah, walls, everything he is running over other cars. You know, car. You know the the Oromov and Natalia's car will cut through an alleyway, and Bond will just make a hard left and just take out the walls <laughs> of the buildings down the alleyway. Just it's all it does everywhere. is open it up for everyone chasing him. Which is whatever, though, man. I mean, he's just like the amount of catastrophic damage done to done to this this Russian city is like I'm sure at the end of this movie, M got a bill from the Russian prime minister (laughs) going, yo, listen, I appreciate your boy helping out with our traitor, but you guys got to pay for this shit. You know, a lot of stuff that went down here. Rebuilding Um, the whole city. So Bond's, Bond's chasing down the car. Using his 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 various methods of the tank, and I love how every now and every now and then you'll see cars like he'll cut a corner and there'll be cars in front of him, and they're like, "Oh shit!" They just kind of drive yeah. backwards away from the tank. <laughs> yeah. I love it. But ladies and gentlemen, there's one moment in particular I do want to cover where Bond takes a hard left and he's and he's chasing after the car, and all of a sudden, a soda delivery truck unknowingly pulls in front of Bond. Actually, it's not a soda; it's Perrier. It's a it's a sparkling water, if you will. Pulls in front, and Bond busts through this trailer, soda scattering all over the road. And the driver of that car, that 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 trailer, looks out shocked to see James Bond. Ladies and gentlemen, that poor poor soda trailer driver was none other than Frank Joseph P. Hinchman the third. Frank Joseph P. Hinchman III is back, ladies and gentlemen. And you may ask yourself, you know, last time we saw Frank, he's last couple films, he's been he's been actively avoiding the Hinchman life because he got back with his wife, Susan, Elaine, whatever her name was. Um, P, Elaine Hinchman, formerly of Bodyguard. And he had a dog with him and everything, and things were all good. 
Well, what you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, is when they got back home that night, they had a fight to end all fights. You know, Frank was just so irate how he can just never escape this man and he really wanted to do something. And Elaine tried to calm him down. She tried her best. Even their dog, God, tried to calm him down. You know, you know how dogs like when they know you're stressed out, they'll like put their head on your lap and just be like, pet me, pet me. Well, that's what God tried to do. God, the dog. about the dog. (laughs) Never, never forget about God, Jordan. In the immortal words of God, God is always with you. (laughs) I I just forgot that was what you named the dog when I asked. Little G. Um. So no one's getting through to, to poor Frank. Frank is fed up. He's like, listen, I've tried to get away. I can't. I've got to go back. I've got to go. I've got to go back. I've got to do something about this. So the fight to end all fights happens. And, and Frank and, and his wife, Elaine slash Susan. <laughs> I don't remember what her real name is. <laughs> Elaine slash Susan break up for possibly the the final time after rekindling their romance. Um, Good news is Frank got to keep God um, in the divorce. So, so God, God was with Frank in the divorce. (laughs) Um, um, And as we all, as we know, the kids weren't a part of it because the kids are fully grown. They're off, you know, doing their own little henchman henchman school things. Exactly. So they're off doing their own thing. And granted, the news was horrible to hear that their parents broke up for a second time. So what does Frank do? Well, ladies and gentlemen, Frank moves back to good old Russia. You know, he spent some time in the Ukraine and, 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 and Eastern Europe and whatnot, but I don't think he's ever fully been in Russia. And ladies and gentlemen, he moved back here for vengeance. But you can't do vengeance full time. You know, Frank, while he's getting he's been out of the game for years where he's trying to find henchmen places to join up. He's trying to find crews and whatnot to to join up with. You know, you got to have a part time gig to pay the bills. I mean, Frank's got an apartment too. St. Peter, St. Petersburg ain't cheap to live in, ladies and gentlemen. You know, we're not in Soviet Russia anymore. You know, communism, communism's gone. Capitalism's back. <laughs> so you got bills to pay. So Frank takes up a job as a Perrier driver while he's, um, you know, in his in, as a part-time Perrier driver, while he's looking for henchman work in the, in the great great country of, of of Russia. Well, on his route, we all know what happens. A tank busts through his trailer, and he looks on to see. His nemesis, has found him once again. And that just strikes motivation into Frank even harder. So we'll see. If Frank Joseph P. Hinchman III will take this shit much longer, ladies and gentlemen. And that is the story of Frank Joseph P. Hinchman III for Goldeneye. Oh, poor Frank. His, his story, man, just keeps getting better and better. But We'll see if God the dog comes back. I'm, I'm curious now. I, I didn't think the, the dog would stick around this long. That's right. Um... As we know, God is very loyal. <laughs> how many more? How many more dog slash religious analogies can I make that are funny, Jordan? I, I don't know. Trying. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna but keep trying. The fact that everybody in Frank's life has seemed to have come and gone over all these years, it just surprises me. 
who's still around these days. Um, that being said, while we get back to, uh, or in the meantime, before we get back to Frank, I liked this scene with this tank chase. Awesome Very chasing. Very much so. Very, Very much chasing. So. And I loved, like, everything. Like, even when, like, when he started going down, like, the two bridges and realized, that, like, he, or, uh, the bad guys, like, looped around and he couldn't. So he just put it in reverse and was just, like, plowing all the guys that followed behind him out of the way. I think it was, like, right before going mm-hmm. through the Perrier truck. Or Frank's truck, I should say. All that was hysterical. But I loved when he went through the statue. Yeah, just yeah. straight through. Like, instead of going around that circle, he just goes straight through the statue. The statue lands, and the tank is just pushing the statue throughout town until it hits that bridge and falls, taking out the two police behind him. And he just I'm... stops, looks back, uh, looks forward, just tightens up his tie and just keeps on going. I'm telling you, man, Love the it. bill, the bill <clears throat> that him must have gotten after this movie was astounding. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, but that I... statue, I'm sure, has been there for, you know... Hundred years plus, yeah, probably the price of statue. <clears throat> but I love how Bond was just like you know, he like knocks the statue off, and he's like, because I think for this whole period of time he was in, like he went back down and closed up the hatch, mm-hmm. was like debris and stuff was falling, and when he hit that statue, it was sitting on top for the longest time, and then like he went through that uh, tunnel with the bridge, which got caught on the statue, and the statue fell, took out the two police cars. And, like, I think he, like, if I remember correctly, he stopped and kind of, like, opened the hatch and, like, poked his, poked his head back out and, like, kind of looked around behind him, like, what was that that hit the back of the tank? <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay, cool. And yeah, just, like, right retightens his tie and just keeps on going. Like, <laughs> all right. Like, I um, love that scene. From here, we cut to Ormov and Natalia arriving at a train with Zeno. Natalia's taken aboard the train to Trevlin, who is there. Bond spots this train leaving the station. And pulls off. He's got plans of other things. So we cut back to on the train. Where Trevlin gets a little rapey with Natalia. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. Not going to lie of, of saying, you know, Bond always gets the prize. Or, you know, I've, I don't know. There's there's a bunch of stuff said. Yeah, very creepy, creepy. Comments. I mean, well well acted, but very, very creepy nonetheless. Yeah, I think but he's just trying to, like, scare her type deal. Exactly. But she's not having it. And she slaps him. Because that's what Russian women do. They slap. Um, <clears throat> we'll have this happen again in the future. Yeah. Natalia loves to slap people. Um, maybe that's where they got slapper, the slappers mode from in GoldenEye. <laughs> that makes sense. You know, Natalia's proclivity to slap. Um, but during this time, it's revealed that Bond in said tank has come out of a tunnel in front of the train. I <laughs> love that too. You just see this... The classic, you look at a tunnel when it's light out, so it creates that shadow. So all you see is this dark tunnel ahead, and you just see this little tank rolling out from the shadows. Yeah. Um, Zena, Zena's like, you know, he's going to try and he's going to try and derail, derail us, derail us. The train is ordered. Trevlin orders the train driver to ram Bond at full speed. Bond fires a single shell and hops out of the train, causing the train to catch on fire. The train hits the tank and is immediately derailed. Everyone's knocked around, knocked out. Trevlin, Zena, Oromov, everyone's, you know, catapulted around the train car, giving Bond time to get on train and has his, get on the train and has his gun, <laughs> ironically enough, trained on Trevlin and Zena. <laughs> they have a brief conversation about back and forth about, you know, can't, you, know, you can either kill us or you can save Natalia. You can't do both because Ormov brings out Natalia and he has her at gunpoint. 
And I think this is when Bond starts using um, Trevlin's real, like, family history um, to try and, I guess, make uh, a general, like, double-think yeah. his choices. Yeah. Which I thought was um, kind of neat. <clears throat> trying to tell him he's cos- you know, he's Cossack, he's not, you know... He's not doing this for you. You're not going to be getting anything out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but Bond makes his choice, and he chooses to whip around, taking out the general, saving Natalia, rather than killing Trevlin. Um, Trevlin and Zena are, are able to leave, and they trap Bond and Natalia in the train car. Natalia immediately hops on a computer and attempts, attempts to track Boris. As she sees he's online, and she can track him to find find out where their 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 location their is yep. yeah where their base is while bond attempts to find find a way out using his laser watch to cut a hole into the bottom of the of the train car i was gonna say because that was one of the things we kind of skipped over in the interrogation room but uh <clears throat> when natalia first was telling the whoever the russian guy was there prime minister whoever he was about everything she informed him that there was actually two GoldenEye stations. Yes. And so, th- you know, that is why she's hacking Boris to figure out where the second location is. Yes. Because everyone else thought there was only the one that was destroyed in the beginning. Mm-hmm. No, there are, in fact, two. While Bond's trying to find a way out using his laser, laser watch to cut through the bottom, Trevlin and Natalia leave via helicopter, but not before leaving Bond with a message. That there are explosives set on the train for the same six minutes that Bond gave him. Mm-hmm. And Natalia's like, what does that mean? And Bond's like, that means we got three minutes. <laughs> yeah. I I get it. That's That means we have three minutes. Um, I love how these little <clears throat> quips back in this, his, the history between those two always come back up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's um, well done throughout the uh, story of it, yeah. of the movie. But, Bond cuts a, cuts a hole through the bottom of the bottom of the, the 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 train car, and Boris is tracked to Cuba right before they escape in the nick of the nick of time, and the train explodes. And much like previous Bond movies before, where we have near death, and then sexy time, we have mm-hmm. it again. They almost die. They're sitting on the edge of the train tracks, all covered in dirt and debris, and we have a, a seductive moment between mm-hmm. Natalia and Bond. Cut to a beach where Bond and Natalia are driving in the BMW when a plane lands in front of them. Good old Jack Wade arrives, hops out of the plane with, with the gift from Q. And, and the sad thing is, this is the only time we see the BMW in action. That's right. And it's just driving. For a half a, for for like 20 seconds of the movie, we see it driving. It is a pretty car. I mean, they it's are very, very nice. Not going to lie. I've ridden um, around in one of them. They're pretty nice. But Bond, Bond takes the car, or excuse me, Jack takes the car and Bond takes the plane. Um, they make plans of, hey, listen, you know, if we, if we give you a call, I need you to bring back up. And Jack's like, don't give me, don't, don't worry. I'll have them, you know, I'll, I'll bring in the Marines, you know, and, yeah. you, think it's, and you think it's just a, just a joke. Um, um, yeah, because they have a couple quicks back and forth, um, Especially when Natalia's like, oh, we got to do this, this, and that. We got to fly under this distance. Because Jack's like, yeah, make, keep sure you keep it under. Was it like 600 feet or something? And she's yeah. like, 500 feet. Yeah. Like, where'd you find this girl at? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, um, I, I definitely like the, like, the he, chemistry. He, was, he finds out she's like she's a you know one of the Russian analysts, and Jack Jack pulls him aside and was like, "Have you yeah. have you checked her out?" And Bond goes from head to toe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he says it so seriously too that Jack takes a second and goes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I love it. Uh, um, I do, I do here, really enjoy their chemistry. Oh, it's great. Uh, we cut to Bond and Natalia having a brief reflective moment on the beach about Trevlin, mm-hmm. and that you know Natalia's like, "Listen, you're gonna have to do what you're gonna do. You know, he was your friend, but if you get the chance, you're going to have to kill him." You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like um, the intro to this scene. I mean, the scene was itself on the beach was really good too. But like when you first see her walking to the edge of the beach, the way the sun was setting, like behind the house was really cool uh, lighting effect. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, I don't know how much of it was actual, like natural and edited, but just the, the color combination, it was a really neat scene. Just kind of watching her walk from the house down to the beach where bond was with the way the sun was kind of setting behind the house and mm-hmm. the way it all angled on the beach. It was just really, really nice. Nice. Scene. Well done. Mm-hmm. And of course we, this scene ends like, like, like all scenes like that should in sexy time. Mm-hmm. Um, from here, it's not sexy time doesn't last long, however, because we cut immediately to them arriving in Cuba by plane, searching the countryside by air for the satellite dish. Um, they're not seeing anything. They fly over lake. And I like this is this is very reminiscent of the um, you only live twice where you flew over the volcano twi- crater mm-hmm. and didn't see anything and had to make a second trip before they noticed something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they fly over the lake for the second time as missiles fire from the water and hit the plane closet, causing it to crash in the jungle. They escape the wreckage, but Montalia is unconscious and Bond passes out next to her as he pulls her from the plane. But he comes to as he sees his eyes crack open and he sees a helicopter hovering above and Xena jumps out of the helicopter. And in the immortal words of Mortal Kombat, Fight! That's right. Fight breaks out, um, and it's less sexy than their previous encounters, but still it's Xena on a top, so it's going to have a little bit of sex to, sex to it, as she licks his face for no reason and gives him the good old leg squeeze. Mm-hmm. And Bond, of course, is weak. He's just unconscious. He's, he's having a hard time with this. But Natalia pops up and distracts, distracts Xena long enough for Bond to pull his gun and shoot the helicopter pilot causing it to crash, pulling Xena off him and into a tree that squeezes her to death. That's what I love because, like, and I don't even think it was Bond's gun. I think he grabbed her gun. So if I'm not mistaken, she had a gun slung over her shoulder. Oh, yeah. She repelled down the rope, but the rope was just hanging. So when Natalia swung the stick or whatever it was and uh, Onatov caught it, it was like, oh, you can't get me like that. Bond had enough, you know, mm-hmm. movement that he grabbed the rappel rope, clipped it onto her belt, grabbed her gun that was hanging from her shoulders, and just kind of aimed it up at the helicopter because he was already, like, hugged around her legs, clipping yeah. the belt on. So, so he just grabbed her gun and shot her, and it caused the helicopter to pull off, pulling the rappel rope and everything straight into a tree. But, yeah, I, that was one of his little quirks I did write down. Yeah, yeah. My this is one of my favorite post-death Bond quips of all time. Is mm-hmm. she always did enjoy a good squeeze? Yeah. <laughs> From there, so Xena on the top is taken out of the out of commission. Henchman Numero Uno is out. Cut to Trevlin and Boris preparing the satellite dish. Um, 
preparing the satellite dish. The GoldenEye satellite will be in range in six minutes. Mm -hmm. Irony. Yeah. (laughs) Back in the jungle, Bond and Natalia watch as the dish rises from the water. Boris and Trevlin prepare GoldenEye together. You know, the two keys unlocking everything. Yep. And Bond and Natalia begin climbing the dish. They, they're immediately spotted as they go in, and Trevlin gives, give orders, gives orders to kill Bond. Um, to kill Bond on site as they set the coordinates of the GoldenEye satellite to London. Bond and Natalia fall into the middle of the, middle of the dish as the guards approach and start firing at him. They fall into the middle, and Boris and Trevlin activate GoldenEye, beginning its approach to London. From here, Bond and Natalia do manage to sneak in, disca- you know, it's completely escaping the guards that fired on them brief, merely moments ago. You would think they would have eyes on them, but no, yeah. they are. They do manage to sneak in with relative ease, and Bond proceeds to set explosives throughout the facility and distracts as Natalia heads for the mainframe computer to try and disable it, you know, disable the, the, the controls. Mm-hmm. Bond gives himself, gives himself up as the distraction and is taken to Trevlin, who immediately, immediately, and this goes back to the, it's insulting to think I don't know your moves before you make them, takes Bond's watch from him and deactivates the explosives. Yep. Immediately looks at his watch, which is one of the old MI6 style, looks at the new one and goes, oh, new model, that's nice. Is it still this to deactivate? And presses the button on Bond's watch, and we cut briefly to see the explosives go offline. Mm-hmm. I love that scene where it's like, don't insult me with their bullshit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bond's like, well, that was worth a shot. Yep. Immediately takes his watch, deactivates the explosive, and IDs the exploding pin. Pulls out the pin and goes, I'm assuming this is from Q. <laughs> um. This is where we have the Grand Master Plan reveal, where Trevlin plans to digitally rob the Bank of England just before GoldenEye goes off. GoldenEye, remembers mm-hmm. an EMP, so it would really erase all trace of the robbery, but all the, money would, all the money from the Bank of England would be gone, causing a financial meltdown, ruining England yep. as a country. Bond referenced this to make references... Trevlin as a nothing more than a common thief. Natalia, cut back to now Natalia briefly as she's still working on the mainframe and she's captured as she finishes the encryption of the mainframe. Natalia goes in and immediately, as soon as she's brought in, Boris is like, Natalia, you know, like they're old friends. And Natalia just straight up charges Boris, knocking him into the desk um, and mixing up his pin with the grenade pin with which Boris begins nervously flipping around and clicking, as we've seen him do with other pins throughout the whole movie. That's kind of like his his nervous click, is, is yeah. messing with pins. Mm-hmm. Um, I can relate. I'm, if I've got a pin in my hand, I'm always flipping it around as well. I get you, Boris. I get you. That's why you were my boy in GoldenEye. You know, those, those pin-flipping skills made you faster in the game. I'm still convinced of that. <laughs> <laughs> um... They discover that she has changed the course of the GoldenEye satellite to re-enter the atmosphere, causing it to burn up. Boris confidently claims that she's a a low-level hacker. There's no encryption that she has that I can't break. Mm -hmm. And and attempts to break her encryption while flipping and clicking the pin constantly. Bond, I love how this Bond is watching this too, and he's like counting the clicks, like the one, two, three, 
pins activated. Yep. One, two, it's deactivated. You know, it, he's like, exactly. ah, he's waiting for his time, waiting for his time. Um, Boris gets fed up and he clicks the pin three times and holds it up to Natalia going, give me the, you know, the access codes. Bond knocks the pin out of, out of Boris's hands as he, as he's yelling at Natalia and it explodes, giving them time to escape, causing all sorts of chaos to, to ensue. Which is what I love is because when he does that, the pen slides over to the whatever chemical that Mm -hmm. Bond originally had the detonator set on because when he shot, he put holes in it and the chemicals were like pouring out slowly, filling up the whole second floor and pouring down to the first floor. No one seemed to be noticing it the whole time. And the exploding pen landed in that. So it didn't just explode the pen, but it set off the whole place to start chain exploding, which I thought was really good. Kind of neat, but I did enjoy that. I'm like, why did no one else see this stuff just pouring (laughs) over the second floor, like a steady stream coming down, you know? Um, From here, Bond and Natalia take the elevator to the top of the dish to try and take out the relay because Natalia admits it's very possible that Boris could break her code. (laughs) She's like, listen, I'm good, but he is better. So there's a very real chance he could break my code. So the only way we can make sure is taking out the actual relay. Mm Mm-hmm. Boris, meanwhile, continues to work at gunpoint where Trevlin is tired of everybody's shit. It's like, listen, if he does anything else, shoot him, you know, but you got to break this code. As Trevlin goes off to chase after chase Bond up the dish. Boris is able to crack the code and begins repositioning the antenna up at the very tippy tippy top. Bond manages to jam the gears, stopping the antenna from repositioning. Mm -hmm. And Bond and Trevlin have their final fight. I'll say it real quick. I do like how Bond just leaves uh, Natalia at the top of the elevator. Like when they get up there, she's like playing yeah. dead to distract the one guard. And then mm-hmm. like after Bond takes out that guard, he's like, you know how to use this thing? And she's just sitting there like playing with his gun. Like, yeah, I think I got it. Yeah. He's like, she just like unloads it, checks it. She's like, yeah, I'm good. Listen, I'm Russian. We all know how to use it. <laughs> and Bond's just like, okay. And then just starts like running down that I guess you would call it a bridge, essentially, like yeah. meets to the middle. Meanwhile, like you said, uh, Alex like coming up in the elevator and is, like trying to shoot at him, which initially starts their fight scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but the final fight, man, I, I I love it. It's a lot of back and forth. It shows them pretty much on even. It does, um, yeah. Even footing. I mean, Trevlin does get the advantage. He gets the upper hand. Um, <clears throat> as Bond's hanging onto a ladder, and. Trevlin literally would have killed Bond, but Bond knocks the ladder and causes it to, you know, fall to the very base mm-hmm. of the uh, the the center, escaping Trevlin's last bullet. Yeah, because after this, he just throws his gun away because it's empty, and jumps out after jumps down after Bond. So they're fighting fighting while teetering on this ladder. Meanwhile, Trevlin calls in a helicopter to help. And Trevlin has the upper hand about, you know, like stamping on Bond's hands and whatnot mm-hmm. until the helicopter shows up and it reveals that Natalia has a gun to the pilot's head and she's in control of this helicopter, causing Trevlin to be distracted just long enough for Bond to grab him and throw him off. Um, but Bond grabs his leg at the last second, holding on to it, holding on to it. Trevlin looks up at Bond and goes, for England, James? And Bond goes, no, for me. And drops Trevlin to his death. Yeah. As he falls into the center of the satellite dish. Um, yeah, I, I did like that scene. 
I thought it was great. I thought it was a great line for England, James. No, for me. <laughs> uh, cut back to Boris, who freaks out as Goldeneye explodes in the atmosphere. We see his face for like three seconds of him, of him basically doing the Home Alone of like ah, like oh my god, yeah. Um, and we see Bond jump into the helicopter as it pulls away, as the dish begins to explode. Um, the dish begins to explode, knocking off you know, pieces of it as it falls into Trevlin's body. And we see that he was not completely dead, but after the satellite falling on him, he's he absolutely down, yeah. dead. Um, <clears throat> dish begins to explode. We cut back to Boris, who's celebrating surviving the explosion. And he does his yeah. trademark, I'm invincible, with his hands in the air as liquid nitrogen tanks explode behind him, freezing him in his victory pose. I did enjoy that, too. I was like, yeah, yep, I remember that now. Yep, yep. Um, cut back to Bond and Natalia as they're dropped off by the helicopter, and it flies off. Keep in mind, that helicopter is being flown by a bad guy. <laughs> I know, that was the best part. So they're dropped off, and the bad guy's like, all right, I'm just going to go. Is that cool? Can I just leave? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. But they're dropped off. They could have flown that helicopter out, out themselves, but they're dropped off because... Well, that was the thing, though. If you remember, Bond jumped onto the helicopter and was like hanging by the, uh, yeah, the helicopter the hooks, like the, the legs skis. or whatever. Yeah. And so she had the pilot at gunpoint in the inside the helicopter and they wanted him to land. So as soon as Bond was able to fall, she jumps out of the helicopter, completely not worried about the pilots. So the pilot's like, well, forget this. I'm out of here. I'm out. I'm out. I'm peacing. Um, but they drop out, they drop off and they have a nice romantic interaction and begin to make out just as Jack Wade comes walking yeah. up, walking up from the distance. I, I love this scene too, because she's like, you know, what if someone sees us? And he's like, there's no one around for 25 miles. And then you hear yeah. the whistle. It's like, Hey Jimbo. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Wade, what are you doing here? Well, he, yeah. he walks up and, and Bond says, I thought you were going to bring the Marines. And Jack whistles and all of these hidden Marines yeah. pop up from the ground around <laughs> all him. right next to him. too. <laughs> <laughs> And the Marines take them away by helicopter, and we cut to the credits. The end. Yes, yes. Uh, good, good ending scene. Not in a boat or on water anywhere. It was just a nice <laughs> helicopter flight. Um, so, of course, the credits will roll. And if, if we get at the very end, not really tradition, but it's the new tradition is just James Bond will return. Yep. But our next movie is Tomorrow Never Dies, which is one I've been looking forward to rewatching because it was one of the ones um, that I remember a lot growing up. Uh, it was the one that had a lot of my favorite gadgets and stuff in. So I'm excited to get to that one. It's but, essentially a remake of Thunderbolt. It, it is, yes. And mm -hmm. that's why I'm really uh, interested in watching it again with fresh eyes now that I've seen Thunderbolt. Um, but I am excited to go to that one. But that's it. That is Goldeneye. God. It, great great movie Love great it. pace there was a lot of jumping back and forth but done in a very well way um well way Dude, it moves so language quickly. but uh, it does um but it's done right and yeah. it's it's well paced the scenes are right they give you just enough pauses to enjoy either um a little bit of history on characters or mm -hmm. some jokes mm -hmm. or a little bit of tension like the timing is done perfect throughout this movie yeah. with scene to scene uh, transitions everything um definitely one of my 
um, more favorite or better bonds in my opinion. But um, with that, before we jump into our ranking system, is it trivia time? It's trivia, trivia, trivia time. Da-da-da. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for the golden eye edition of trivia time. Trivia fact number one. Several changes had to be made to the script during production because the plot originally was virtually identical to 1994's True Lies, which was being released at the time, Um, which is interesting. Uh, Famica Jensen, who played Xena on a top, broke a rib during the sauna fight scene. According to her interview um, for Everything or Nothing in 2012, before filming the sequence, Jensen encouraged Pierce Brosnan to run her into the wall as hard as she could and actually insisted that he do it, citing that, citing that the walls were padded. They weren't. <laughs> <laughs> she just wanted a very realistic scene and was willing to be, you know, be rough in it and ended up breaking a rib during it. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> this is the first completely original James Bond movie without any reference to any Ian Fleming novel or short story. Hmm. So this is the first completely original one. Nice. Computer computer graphics were used to create the famous gun barrel opening in this movie, making this movie the first movie in the James Bond franchise to use CGI in that way. Interesting. Yeah. Um, this is also, think of the timing, 1994 was the first James Bond movie to release on DVD. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> forgot about that transitioning from vhs to dvd <laughs> uh xena's family Jensen's hand when her and pierce brosnan are are playing uh baccarat at the uh casino her hand reveal reveals two face cards mm-hmm. or two face cards and a seven which in the game is 007 bond's final hand when he beats xena is two face cards and a six 006 I didn't pay attention to that. Like, I remember them putting the cards down. I'm like, hmm. But I don't really know the games. So I didn't pay attention to the scores <laughs> and all. Just the, I didn't the fact either. that he won. Yeah. Um, in the opening car chase scene between Bonds, Aston Martin, and Anatop's Ferrari, Famica Jensen actually performed many of her own driving stunts during this scene. Um, she confirmed this in an interview with Jay Leno in 95. Nice. Because the film franchise was caught up in litigation, the six-year hiatus between License to Kill and this movie is the longest gap between Bond movies since the franchise started in 1962. Hmm. GoldenEye was the nickname of James Bond creators Ian Fleming's beachfront house in Jamaica, where between 1952 and 1964, he wrote the Bond movie or Bond novels and short stories. I didn't know. That makes more mm-hmm. sense. This is the final Bond movie to be viewed by longtime producer Albert Broccoli before his death. And every Bond movie, including this one, um, this one and every future Bond movie were produced by his, his daughter. Oh, uh, gotcha. Okay. Um, this is the most successful box office James Bond movie since Moonraker in 1979. Interesting. Um, first of two appearances by Joe Don Baker as CIA counterpart Jack Wade, who will also go on to appear in Tomorrow Never Dies. Wade mm-hmm. was created as a replacement for Felix Leiter, who 
lost his leg and presumably retired from field work as a result in License to Kill. I mean, it makes sense as, as far as story goes, but I miss Felix. Yep. Sean Bean, Alec Trevlin himself, had previously auditioned for the role of James Bond in The Living Daylights. So nice. uh, yet another uh, reoccurring yeah. theme of, you know, the better Bond villains are the ones that have that were considered for Bond at one point. Yeah. Um, Alec Trevlin, Sean Bean's character, is a descendant of Lean's Cossacks um, who were repatriated to, repatriated to Russia by the British after World War II after assurances they would be treated as allied POWs. They weren't. Um, this movie was released on the 50th anniversary of the incident. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, a new arrangement for the James Bond theme used in the opening was disliked by so many fans that it was replaced by a more traditional version in the future movies. So this is the last time we get that different uh, intro song that we heard. Which, I'm not going to lie, I mean, it, it fit the movie, but it was a little off-putting to hear the intro that, like, different audio like it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Agreed. it wasn't horrible, but it, it was a little out of place compared to the other ones. Uh, this movie is also credited with having the largest amount of model and miniature work ever utilized in a James Bond film. Hmm. The villain, Alec Trevlin, was named in tongue-in-cheek homage to John Trevlin, who was a British movie censor during the 60s, when the golden age of James Bond movies were made. Trevlin took a very dim view to the two, two Bond movies, particularly Bond's penchant for one-liner jokes after killing somebody. So they uh, they named it after that 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 critic essentially. That's awesome. Uh, Pierce Brosnan and George Lazenby are the only two 007 actors to be born outside of the United Kingdom. Lazenby was Lazenby was born in Australia. Bronson was born in Ireland. Hmm. Fans were skeptical skeptical about the idea of James Bond taking orders from a woman until they saw Jane Judy, Judy Dench performance. Like mm -hmm. I said, she's a badass. Yeah, she's a really good M. Uh, as mentioned earlier, this is the first opening title sequence directed by title designer Daniel Kleinman, picking up from the long-standing designer Maurice Binder, who died after License to Kill. Now, is he like the new guy that'll be taking over the rest of the movies? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not 100% on this one. I mean, I, he, have, he may do the Pierce Brosnan ones, but I think they restarted with pretty much everybody once you get to the Daniel Craig's. Okay. Minus, minus you know, um, the producer. Let's see. For the confrontation, confrontation between James Bond and Alec Trevlin inside the antenna cradle, Martin Campbell decided to take inspiration for the Bond's fight with Red Grant in From Russia With Love. Yeah. where where Pierce Brosnan and Sean Bean did all of their own stumps in fighting themselves, except except for one take where one is thrown against the wall. Brosnan had previously injured his hand while filming the extended ladder sequence, mm. um, making producers delay his other films or his some of the other scenes in his movie. So, ah, here you go. Since you love your ending so much, this is a bit of a, a bit of spoilers. This is the only James Bond movie starring Pierce Brosnan, where Bond is not lying on top of the female lead in the final shot of the movie. <laughs> I was going to say, most of the other ones, that's, that's how I remember it. it. They end in sexy time. Yeah. Um, this is the first Bond movie directed by Martin Can Campbell. He'll return to direct Craig in Casino Royale. 
Let's see. Interesting. Allegedly, Alex Trevlin was considered by producers Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson to be brought back for the Daniel Craig era as a reoccurring antagonist. Huh. So he wasn't, but they considered bringing Trevlin back in the Daniel Craig block, which would have been interesting. It would have been more interesting to see him... Like that character, maybe not the actor, obviously, but the the character to, to be portrayed as um, another like 006, like in the early stages, since Daniel Craig was kind of like a reboot yeah. one to Bond. Like that would have been kind of neat just to have him as another uh, ally that yeah, are randomly. Where he's a good he, guy, you know. but it's like, hey, listen, we know you'll go bad. Exactly. We know, yeah. We know yeah. you'll go bad. Um, Final fact, as M is about to send James Bond on his GoldenEye mission, she tells him not to run off on a personal personal vendetta. This is a direct reference to the events of License to Kill, where Bond went rogue and set out to get his revenge mm-hmm. on, on, on Sanchez. Yeah, I wondered that when uh, th- th- there was that scene in the office. I was like, hmm. Yep. <laughs> and that's it for trivia time, ladies and gentlemen. All right, there were some good ones in there. There were some good ones. But then again, this was a really good movie, and like you said, there was a lot of changes uh, from the starting with this block. But mm-hmm. with that being said, now we get into the ranking systems because obviously we agree that this movie is really, really good. It's awesome. It's phenomenal. But how good is it, Eric? Well, where are we? Where do we stand with our current list? The list so far is as follows. Number one, From Russia with Love. Number two, You Only Live Twice. Number three, The Spy Who Loved Me. Number four, Thunderball. Number five, License to Kill. Number six, For Your Eyes Only. Number seven, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number eight, Goldfinger. Number nine, The Living Daylights. Number 10, Dr. No. Number 11, A View to a Kill. Number 12, The Man with the Golden Gun. Number 13, Octopussy. Number 14, Moonraker. Number 15, Live and Let Die. Number 16, Diamonds Are Forever. Such a long list. <clears throat> it's only going to get, it's going to get eight, eight, eight more longer, nine more longer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so many. All right. Um, All right. So, uh, top 10. That yes, let's go higher. Let's 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 start the debate. Let's start the debate at top five. Top five. All right, fine. We'll go with the top five. So, is it better than License to Kill, last week's movie? Uh, yes. Yeah, I liked License it to is. Kill. It was a really good movie. Um, and it was like the good, you know, Vendetta, Alpha Revenge type movie. But this one was a well-rounded, great Bond type movie. Um, good Pierce story, Bond. good action, good good characters. Uh, everything was was really good about this. The only downside to this movie, in my perspective, is the use of the Bond car. But we won't get into that. Yeah, that's that's an exception. That's an exception. The other ones overuse the car, arguably. <laughs> that's <laughs> or true. going that's forward. True. Um, that's true. But no, I'm with you. I mean, this movie was one of my favorites, if not my favorite, as a kid. And and this one held up incredibly well. Watching these back to back. Hmm. It held up incredibly well. Um, <clears throat> it is a lot easier, this one being a 90s movie, it's significantly easier, I think, if you're not like a super, super big Bond person. Yep. It's a, I would say it's probably easier to pick up from this movie going forward than mm-hmm. going back to some of the older ones. 
just because some of the styles and whatnot just don't just don't hold up as well. It doesn't mean they're bad movies. Mm-hmm. Um, just means they don't really hold up as well. And this one absolutely does. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Pierce Brosnan is is <clears throat> phenomenal. You know, he's got the humor. He's got the seriousness. Um, he's got the action chops. Alec Trevlin, Sean Bean is is an incredible villain. Xena on a top, aside from having the best name in female villain henchmanry. Um, and the most appropriate name, by the way, she kills is Famica Jensen. I mean, she's a phenomenal actress. Boris, Alan Cummings is Boris, is, is, is great. I mean, everyone across the board was, was incredibly talented and played their roles perfectly. So, yes, I do agree. It is better than License to Kill. And is we're it not better? just saying that because this was the movies we started. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's really good. Um, but is it better than Thunderball? Ooh. I think when we talked about this earlier, uh, after watching the movie, it was like a close tie. Um, I I I could see it, it, it being better than Thunderball, at least in it my is opinion. Than Thunderball. Now, is it better than The Spy Who Loved Me? I I mean, um, The Spy Who Loved Me was a really good movie. Um, I could see this one being better than that. Is it better than You Only Live Twice? Uh, yeah, I, I could I could see it going up the list too. Where are we at? We at like three, two. The final kicker. This is the the ultimatum, if you will, Jordan. Is it better than From Russia with Love, our current number one? <laughs> that's a, that's yeah, a Trevlin. Who is who is a better anti bond than your boy Red? Oh yes, yes. I, I will will be um, no surprise here, hopefully. But I, I do agree that Trevlin is better than Red as the anti bond, just because he was Bond essentially before <laughs> becoming the anti bond. So he is definitely the better anti bond, uh, better villain all around uh, in that movie. But I know we started from from Russia with Love as our like. I mean, from Rushwood Love is has been the, the standard yeah. of which all other ones are measured by. Exactly. I mean, it is it has been number one on our list. I mean, it was the second movie we reviewed, and it's been number one since. Yes. You know. That being <clears throat> said, um, there are some things I liked in this movie better than that one, but that one did set the tone. It had a great story, great you know, with Red being the anti Bond, all that stuff was really really good. I can honestly see these two being neck to neck. Um, because they are both really, really good movies. Uh, the only thing, though, is I, I th- looking back, I think the pace of this movie flowed a lot better. It was than, paced a lot, a lot than the smoother. other one was. Yeah. Um, and I, mean, and I think you do have to take into account that it, it does hold up better than From Russia with Love. You know, From it, Russia I mean, with Love does. is a phenomenal. I mean, from, from Russia with Love absolutely holds up. Don't get me wrong, but I think this movie is is easier. It's a lot easier to. Uh, to get into from the outside, you know, like if your first Bond yeah. movie was from Russia with Love, it'd be, I think it'd be a little bit more difficult. But if your first Bond movie is Goldeneye, you know, that's a great jumping in spot. So. Yeah, I mean, I can see that too. <clears throat> um, they're kind of tied, on, in my opinion. I mean, both, like I said, really, really good movies. The, the biggest thing is the flow. Like this, this movie, what you started off, um, out of the gates and you just kept going all the way to the end i mean it was great flow throughout uh and i, I said that in the review it was just everything was paced really really well mm-hmm. um great story great feeling all that so 
it's it's like tied for me, but I I could see it either way. I agree with you. It's a, it's a definitely a, um, a a hard one to pick, man. But I think I would have to personally put it above from Russia with Love. Making making Goldeneye the new uh, making number Golden one. Goldeneye the new number one. Ooh, we've been waiting right? for for a movie <clears throat> to replace from Russia with Love. From, yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't think GoldenEye will stay there, per se, especially when we get to Casino Royale. Oh, that's true. But, um... <clears throat> I, I, I we'll could see. agree with you, though. Uh, like I said, as much as From Russia with Love was a really, really good movie, um, I do think this one just was slightly better. Um, like you said, being from an outside movie perspective, jumping in to any type of Bond movie, this was a good place to start. But just with the film itself and the way it was put together uh editing and directing and acting story characters everything uh like i said the only thing that didn't make this a perfect bond movie for me was the you know you didn't see the cool gadget car which is one of the things that's always a go-to with bonds was bonds and its gadgets but not just the gadgets the gadget car the kind of car you drove yes the car was there um he had two which was really good but they weren't really used that much there was a few like two scenes where he just drove around in it and that was it um that would be the only thing to keep it from being like the perfect bond movie yeah. in my eyes so i mean i could i could see it replacing from Russia with Love is number one. It had, it had just enough campiness, just enough seriousness, just enough use of gadgets. You had a super, super good villain. You had a great henchman with a great campy name. You know, I mean, it's just, it was the perfect balance of, of old Bond and, and, and new Bond. To, yes. To, to mesh into a great Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, it, I think it deserves being up there. I mean... Of course, personal lists may vary, but Goldeneye—if it's not at the top of uh, at the, or at least if it's not in the top five of anybody's list, it, it, they're 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 treating it wrong, you know. Um, but yeah, so Goldeneye—I'm not going to reread the list because we've made it clear Goldeneye is the new number one. That's right. So just take all the others and bump them down. <laughs> that being said, now we're on the villains. Um, so it's safe to, to say it's Alec, um, how do you pronounce his last name? Trevion? Trev- Trevlin. Trevlin. Okay. Alec Trevlin. Cause I kept calling him Alec in my notes or 006, uh, former 006. Um, on the top, I guess would be the henchman or safe to say that. Do we want to throw Boris in there too? I think, I well, mean, not that the, Alec really needs either of them I for think his the ranking. I think the are, are Trevlin and Xena. Because like we, you could put the general in there too, and oh, you could put true, Boris yeah. in there, because they were they all. Were just I mean, that was like the main four. Sidekicks, but, yeah. But definitely the main two were uh, Trevlin and Zena. I mean, those are the only two that were that had such a crucial part in the in the final fights. You know. Okay. I mean, I'd love I'd love to throw Boris in there because Boris is my boy, but I don't think he would be for the for the for the point of villain ranking. I don't think him or the general would be up there. All right, I think so, you're looking at Trevlin and Zena. And, I mean, that definitely makes sense, especially with our list so far, which, starting at number one, is Goldfinger and Odd Job from Goldfinger. Number two is number two from Thunderball. Number three is Sanchez and Dario from License to Kill. Number four is Stromberg and Jaws, The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, five, Christosos, Locke, and Eric from Your Eyes Only, or For Your Eyes Only, sorry. 
Uh, six, Zorn and Mayday, A View to a Kill. Number seven, The Spectre General in Red from Russia with Love. And yes, I know that I've moved him mm-hmm. down and I'm not fixing that because it's too much effort anyway moving on uh eight drax and jaws from moonraker nine blowfield head of specter from you only live twice 10 scaramanga and knickknack uh the man with the golden gun 11 is kanaga claw and baron from live and let die 12 is dr no self-titled movie 13 is blowfield wit and kid from diamonds are forever uh 14 is blowfield from on her majesty's secret service I always trips me up because they're back to back. Fifteen is uh, Yurgi Koskov, uh, Whitaker, and the Milkman or Necros from mm-hmm. the Living Daylights, and then sixteen is Khan and Gumbinda from Octopathy. That all being said, we are trying to figure out where to put Alec and um, Zena on. I want to make sure I didn't say like Zena Warrior Princess, uh, <laughs> which I guess that fits too. <laughs> she's yeah she is a warrior <laughs> yeah uh where to put them on our list um well top 10. yeah you already said we we already said when we were talking the the movie rankings that uh traveling is better than red so let's go ahead and start from above red <laughs> all right top six <laughs> uh well you know as much as I'd love to keep Red in the top five, we know it wouldn't last long. So above Red, you have Zorn and Mayday from number six. Better Definitely than above Zorn that. and Mayday. Uh, five, Christosos, Locke, and Eric from Your Eyes Only. Definitely better. Okay. We've said figured... many times, many times, Christosos's you know friend to foe transition transition was great, but that was the whole theme of this movie. Exactly. Of Golden and it was, was more than just a friend. I mean, it was essentially like a brother, like a brother. In arms type. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, which means number four, uh, yeah, number four, Stromberg and Jaws. 100% better than better Stromberg than and Jaws. Definitely better than them. 100%. So this is where it's going to start getting interesting because I remember our last movie, uh, License to Kill, we had Sanchez and Dario. And that set the tone for some, you know, some the dark top, villains. top three villains being pretty, uh, pretty up there for multiple reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sanchez and Dario are absolutely terrifying. They are the they are the drug lo- drug lord type of scary. Mm-hmm. But I think I mean traveling dude that that just that f- almost fallen angel fallen brother type thing and the way he manipulated things from behind the scenes for for nine years without anybody knowing he was still alive. You know, working his way up through MI six. I mean, like he said himself, it's been something that he's been planning since years. he was young you know yeah. so his whole time at mi6 MI was a ruse um so he's playing the long con man and he, even though his plan is essentially to financially bankrupt a country and it's not like take over the world it's still a very personal vendetta because he's not he doesn't care about taking over the world he cares about fucking over the country that fucked over his family yeah you know so it's it's a much more personal vendetta, which which still carries weight despite be, not being a world-ending thing. Um, I mean, just the relationship with him and Bond. I think I think I would put them ahead of Sanchez and Dario. All right. So number two is obviously number two. Yes. Uh, that all being said, I could see him you know above number two as well because number two was a good villain as far as the fact that he was 
well-rounded, um, you know, knew what came first with the mission, mm-hmm. um, was kind of devious, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it's like he was an all-around good villain. He knew what was going on. Uh, no, but I could I could definitely see Trevlin above number two. Um, yeah. Because Trevlin's got all the same characteristics, but like you said, he was doing it much longer, um, and it wasn't just, you know, Let's take over the world. It was more of a personal mission. But it's so much more personal. I mean, there the, was the, more the, to it than that. The between him and Bond relationship is is really what sold it. You know, that's really what sold it. So then, what would you say about uh, Goldfinger and Oddjob? I don't think I could put him above Goldfinger and Oddjob, man. Goldfinger's. I mean, Goldfinger is classic Bond. Goldfinger is. His his plan to you know irradiate the gold you know the, the the world's gold supply in order to make his gold more valuable is 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 great and odd job as a henchman that doesn't speak the whole movie carries such a presence such a demanding presence you know you mm-hmm. got the sexiness of, of of Zena on the top and the and the jokes and the quips and whatnot and and she's an absolute badass. I don't think either one of them. I mean, Gold, Goldfinger and Oddjob, that's a tough that's a tough nut to crack there, man. Yeah. That top one's a tough nut to crack. I, I would I would say that you know, as far as villains go, they're both kind of around the same. Mm-hmm. Um the only thing that I like I th- I agree that Goldfinger has that um Alec doesn't is the fact that because this was a personal mission, it wasn't like Alec was out to get the whole world. It was like he just wanted to steal money from England, uh, not only to become richer, but it was mainly a personal vendetta, uh, you know, to go back against uh, England who wronged him. Versus Goldfinger wasn't like, I don't care about anyone specific. He's like, I just want to become like really, really rich. Yeah, um, I, I, I want to become the standard of which all other things are measured by. Yeah. Exactly. Like he wanted to put himself on top and make himself like the, I don't want to say the better villain, but essentially he was, but I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily anything personal. It was just kind of like, it was just business. He was a businessman. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that necessarily makes him the better villain, but the more an all around good villain, uh, yeah, villain. Yeah. I think we get, I think we get you. I think we get you. Um, I can kind of go either way, just like in the movie rankings. So, I mean, if I'll, I'll leave that judgment up to you as far as first or second. Dude, I think he's uh, agreed. I think he could go either way. Um, but I think he's, I think him having, having him at number two is a solid, solid spot. Because mm-hmm. Goldfinger and Ajab are so iconic. And, and Trevlin is is equally as iconic amongst Bond villains, I do believe. Um, but I mean, it's that combo of Gold Goldfinger and Oddjob are that's a, that's a tough, tough combo. So I would I would put him at number two personally. All right, so our new villain list: Goldfinger and Oddjob still hold the title number one. Uh, two is now Alec Trevani and <laughs> not Trevani. <Zena. laughs> Trevlin. Alec Trevani. My name is Alec Trevani. Come to Trevani's restaurant. Uh, Restaurant and family (laughs) sit down spaghetti dinner. Trevani's. 
so now we're just going to move everyone down the list. Number two is now number three, which is going to be a little confusing, but I'll be all right. Sanchez and Dario at four. Stromberg and Jaws at five. Christosos, Locke, and Eric at six. Zorn and Mayday at seven. Spectre General in red is now at eight. Drax and Jaws at nine. Blowfield from You Only Live Twice is a 10. Scaramanga and Knickknack, 11. Kanaga, Claw, and Baron at 12. Dr. No, 13. Blowfield, Wit, and Kid from 14. Blowfield from Her Majesty's Secret Service at 15. Yurgi, Whitaker, Milkman at 16. And then Khan and Gaminda at 17. Try not to confuse myself going down that list. I was I was thinking about your... your I, I forgot number two's been at number two for so long. Um, yeah. Now number two is at number three, <laughs> but I was like, at least you never had to deal with number two is number one. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That, I mean, either yeah. way, it's number one two is, two is number two. Perfect. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Number two and number two was just perfect all the way up until. But I mean, at the same time, as good of a villain as number two was, we knew going into this that he would not hold the. Top. No, no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Um, he would not stay at number two. Forever. I'm, I'm, I'm no. psyched to see he stayed as long as he did. He stayed longer than I expected yeah. him to, but. We knew he wouldn't stay there for he wouldn't stay there permanently. So, all right. Well, that's our list of villains, and that's it. That's the end of Goldeneye. It's sad because it was such a good movie. I want to keep going with this, but that is it. Unfortunately, in my memory, I don't think they get better for Pierce Brosnan. I don't think we're going to have another Pierce Brosnan movie surpass Goldeneye. Uh, I don't think they will. Yeah. No. However, that being said, I think the the some of the other Pierce Brosnan movies are still decent oh, yeah. movies. Oh, yeah. um, I don't think they will be comparable to Goldeneye, though. I think Goldeneye was the best one to start his block, yeah. and I think that was a really good movie to change the. Um, well, I think I th- the pace of Bond. I movies, think I guess, we can comfortably say with the Pierce Brosnan movies, since those are the ones we grew up with, we, we've seen. Um, more often than any other ones. I think we can comfortably say that they will not be any better than Goldeneye, but they also won't be any worse than Diamonds Are Forever or Moonraker, oh, that's which, which are at the bottom of our list. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, no. I, I think we'll be okay there. As far as I remember, all the other Brosnan movies are better than those They're better two, than those two. So. We'll see when we watch them in the next couple <laughs> weeks. So... Um, the next movie, Tomorrow Never Dies, for everyone who's keeping up and want to watch it and join us next week for that. Um, Eric, let you run the outro. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for yet another another episode of Bond in Review, Friday Films Bond in Review, um, featuring Goldeneye, Pierce Brosnan's debut performance as 007 himself. If you liked what you listened to on that episode, on this episode, not that episode, if you liked what you listened to on that episode, you can follow us at blah, 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 blah. But if you liked what you listened to on this episode, you can follow us at Who Do Presents on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Let us know what your lists are so far, man. We've been beast-moding through them. We have eight, eight weeks left until Bond 25. Yeah. We have, it's crazy. It's crazy. The light's at the end of the tunnel, man. So if you haven't caught up, catch up now um, and let us know what you think along the way. So with that said, back to you, Jordan. All right. Again, we hope everyone enjoyed us for Goldeneye, and we'll see you next week with Tomorrow Never Dies. Again, this is Eric and Jordan. Until then, let the credits roll. <laughs>